what is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court today, being November 9th. I am your host, Sean Murphy, joined as always by my guy, my companion, my other half, my rock, my foundation, Troy Sergi. Troy, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not a whole lot, Sean, but it's great to be watching some NBA basketball this past week. Oh, heck yeah, man. I got, uh, I got Warriors. Hawks on in the background as we're recording this. Hawks up 15. Okay. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Um, there's been some been some crazy things going on, man. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh it's kind of it's kind of crazy like how things develop over time as you just kind of watch, you know, the season develop. And you know, I've uh it's been interesting, man. I mean, you know, right now LeBron's in the middle of an injury, so the Lakers are kind of a weird team. Um, there's uh there's the stuff with um there's the stuff with uh, the Celtics that we're going to be getting into. Um, the Hornets started off so hot, and now they're below 500. Um, yeah, I watched that Hornets Clippers game the other night and felt a little bad because I like the Hornets. Yeah, yeah, they, you know, it's it's one of those things where like the first week of the season is all of these exciting things happen, and then like the second or third week of the season always just kind of feels like the back to reality. You know, mm-hmm. like Brick, uh, Brooklyn, just uh, they were just on a five game win streak for a little bit. You know, James Harden uh, still looking like James Harden. Turns out, turns out he can play. Who knew? Um, you know, there's uh, there's 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 been a lot, man. This has been it's been a chaotic season, but it's not a bad thing. Um, Troy, my biggest surprise or I guess like my the guy that's been impressing me the most in particular, because I, for me, I love checking out like what the rookies are doing. Um, Evan Mobley, man, Evan Mobley and Ricky Rubio on the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Like, Holy cow, dude. They're unreal. What um, Cleveland has a good team. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, what have, what have been your thoughts? Like, what are you seeing out of this team? Cause it's, it's yeah. been special, dude. Well, it's neat seeing Ricky Rubio kind of revive his career uh, in Cleveland. I very much, uh, I've, I've always liked Ricky Rubio when he was with Minnesota. I think he was a part of that cool draft class of the 2009 with Blake Griffin going one and um, Harden going three. And I believe Steph going seven or seven. To, um, so, yeah. So um, that was the same draft that Steph Curry went, but also, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they yeah. drafted, um, they drafted Ricky Rubio and Johnny, Flynn Johnny Flynn back yep. to back. And then, and mm-hmm. then the Warriors are able to get Steph Curry right <laughs> after that. So, so with that being said, reviving his career in Cleveland is a good thing for him. And I think with Evan Mobley, you know, he's someone that, you know, I remember you and I were both kind of scared before the lottery that he led in Detroit, just that awkward kind of skinny you know not necessarily nba body that he has but he's been balling out he just had that boomer bust kind of feel Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it 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 was i I think you and i both saw what he could be and scared of what what he also could have been just because those Mm -hmm. kinds of unicorn prospects i mean it could be like christops Porzingis back when he was in new york you know where christops Mm -hmm. like went off and he was this incredible player and did all these amazing things on a basketball court. But on the other hand, he could have also been like Christoph Sportzingis now where like, he's just kind of dead weight. You don't really love having him on your team. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Or that swear word that we don't like saying Darko. Why, why do you do this to me, Troy? Oh my God. We, hey, we cheer for the same team. We do this to each other. I know. We don't want to <laughs> why do we do this to each other? Because this is from F4 Reach every week. Troy said, Troy and I sit down and talk all things NBA basketball. If you like that, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to like this video. Be sure to share it with your friends and be sure to leave us a good rating on YouTube and on podcast services that you love. We post each and every week and we talk all things hoops. This is the place to be. And with that, Troy, let's get right into it, man. There is a, it feels like things have been quiet, but also there's so much to talk about. Um, So I first, I mean, obviously the Boston Celtics stuff, we'll get to that in a second, but I would be remiss if we didn't bring up 
the allegations against Robert Sarver that were rumored to come out and mm-hmm. ESPN finally released their article on Robert Sar- on Robert Sarver. Um, but not only that, Troy, we also have some investigations that are going to be done on the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. on their on their president of basketball operations. Um, Troy, what the heck is going on? Well, I, I heard about the Phoenix one, Sean, but you're going to have to remind me what happened with Portland. Yeah, so um, there are currently um, there are there's currently an internal investigation happening um, on the Portland Trailblazers culture, specifically on GM Neil Olshley or Neil Olshey. Um, so um, I'm doing some research on it right now as we speak, but it sounds like. Um, there was some real um, workplace misconduct, things like bullying his employees. Um, there's also, um, yeah, there's there's been some potential misconduct that's been reported. And, and so there's really not a lot that we know, okay. um, but it sounds like it's really uh, surrounding concerns about the workplace environment. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it has a lot to do with like the non-player personnel, so like people within the organization. So right. um, I'm, I'm, ana- I'm, I'm imagining that we will learn more and um, you know, it, it's one of those things where we're still learning about it. Um, but at the end of the day, it sounds like he was kind of a dick to his employees. Right. Um, and then, so we have that which um, is sounds very familiar to the situation um, uh, where a few years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Troy, but there was the investigation in the Mavericks work culture too. Yeah. Now there bit. was like, yeah. Where there was like gross negligence and sexism and, and, you know, things like that happening. So, um, you know, whenever you hear like these kinds of things happening, um, it kind of reminds you that there are things that are bigger than basketball Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, there are some things in this league that, that are not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so Troy, uh, I'm not sure. Were you able to read the Robert Sarver article? Yeah, I was, I was, and I was pretty grossed out by that. I think uh, horrifying, Im- absolutely horrifying, trying to get potential free agents to get strippers pregnant. So you could have a yeah. family in your city. Yeah, Therefore, that, you would sign with them. Yeah, are yeah, you that's kidding just, me? That's just one piece of it. So, so if you didn't read the article, one of the pieces in the article was that Robert Sarver at one point um, slighted or joked about the idea about how um, about how they should have strippers um, with the team and get their and have players get them pregnant so that they that that would give them more of a reason um to come to phoenix is that they have their families in phoenix and so um stuff like that stuff where he would just repeatedly say the n-word um just sounded pretty racially insensitive there was Mm -hmm. a story in there about how um about how apparently he pantsed an employee in front of the entire staff um so like there are things in this article, which he apologized about that piece publicly. So there are pieces of this article alone that are pretty damning that he's already admitted to. Mm-hmm. So then also the things like about the N-word incident with Draymond Green, um, all the people in this article that are cited and sourced. I mean, this article doesn't get released if there's not, you know, credible sources and stories um, in this article. So. I mean, this it's just believable. Gives me, it's true. yeah, yeah. This just gives me vibes, very familiar, um, very familiar feelings to the Donald um, Sterling Donald Sterling incident mm-hmm. with the Clippers, and so um, I think we are very much heading towards a situation where we could see an owner either suspended, significantly fined, or even banned from the NBA altogether. So um, Robert Sarver, I mean, he. I mean, I was literally going to make a video about Robert Sarver the day that those reports came out that there was going to be a story written about Robert Sarver. I was literally going to do it based off of 
DeAndre Ayton uh, contract discussions that were happening earlier where he wasn't going to get picked up because I was going to talk about how he's cheap and how he kind of does all these things to the community in Phoenix. But now to hear that there's some um, things that are deeper than that going on in the organization. Um, you know, I, I have full faith in David Stern. Um, I have full faith in the NBA that they're going to do the right thing. Sean, David Sterling, uh, David Stern passed away. Adam Silver is now our commissioner. Adam Silver. My apologies. I misspoke. I listen, I grew up in the David Stern era. So me for me, I, I, even though I know it's Adam Silver, I, I fully trust Adam Silver. Um, by, you know, I, yeah, they're just absolutely horrific stuff. Um, you know, Chris, you know, I mean, Troy, I, I, man, I, I even go back to Chris Noblet. Man, my head is all over the place right now. This story just got me all over. But... Shout out to Chris Noblet, by the yeah, way. Yeah, shout out to Chris Noblet at Nobzilla34 on Twitter um, to go send him some weird love. But anyway, um, Troy, if I'm Chris Paul or if I'm Devin Booker, how do you handle this situation as a player? Yeah, I mean, you have to speak out against it. You have to publicly say something. I think uh, these guys in the press conferences, they're probably going to have to be a team press conference about the situation. And I, you know, I don't think this is going to be an extremely difficult thing for them to do, Sean, to be honest with you. I think this is something that I think they're going to naturally respond to the way any other decent human being would, right? Well, so but on I, the other, I, I mean, I agree from like a humanity standpoint, mm-hmm. there's an obvious way that you have to respond, which is, we support the investigation. You know, we hope, we know, we hope whatever the, whatever needs to get done gets done. But I mean, on the other hand, you have to play basketball mm-hmm. and you're still technically representing this person. Right. And, and, and you are, you're like, you are representing this person who has these horrific allegations against them. Well, do you I remember? Mean, yeah. Do you Chris remember Paul, Don- he had to play, he had to play on the Donald Sterling team. He, he was, was on that team when all that was going down. I was just going to go there with the Don Sterling situation with, do you remember the next game when all that came out, they all went uh, onto the court and they took off their warmups and they placed their warmups because they didn't mm-hmm. want to be associated with the organization at that moment. Right. So I can see something similar like that happening with this. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's basketball, you know, you're under a contract, you have to play, but something to protest in a way like that to speak out against um, you know, the, these guys aren't going to have to boycott the, at least right. playing games, but you know, a, a public stance, whatever that looks like. Uh, I, right. I have a lot of faith in, especially Chris Paul, uh, the former president of the, the players union. So mm-hmm. I have faith in those guys. Yeah, I do too. I think, you know, ultimately having a guy like Chris Paul who did face that situation before, um, and, a, and a guy like Devin Booker who, you know, just, he's just there to hoop, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I, I definitely think that, especially after a finals run that they had, I think they know where their head's at. They know that they have a mission in front of them. Um, you know, I, I, it's just unfortunate, especially for a franchise like Phoenix, you know, to have guys like James Jones as as the general manager to have Mm -hmm. guys, you know, like, um, Monty Williams, the head coach, you know, like all these great people in this organization that have worked so hard to put them in the position that they're in now. Um, that they have to deal with this on top of it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, hopefully whatever comes out, I hope, um, you know, I just hope, you know, the best for the victims and for the, for the families and all the people that have to deal with these things, because, you know, um, just absolutely terrible, man, you know? And uh, I think um, there, there's really not much more to say other than that. Um, you know, I hope, um, I hope there's not many other situations like this around the league. I hope that these organizations can have better representation and that we can just keep moving forward and keep, keep just, just doing better. You know what I mean? Um, so that's just, that's just all you can hope for, but, uh, you know, we'll see how that develops. I'm sure we'll have some news in the next couple of weeks. I mean, this, these investigations, you have no idea how long they can take. I mean, this is a deep dive into the organization and how they run their business and how they conduct things. So, mm-hmm. um, we'll see what comes out. So we shall um, see. I hope, I hope when they do, they don't pull an NFL where they don't release the full findings and the full reports because, mm. um, you know, I, I think the NBA, what they do well compared to other leagues is that transparency factor. And I just hope they keep that going, you know? So I agree, Sean. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Um, speaking of transparency, 
Um, maybe in Boston, there's been a little too much transparency, Troy, um, because there uh, has been some real turmoil. Um, so first, let's talk about the fact that um, the Boston Celtics have already had a players only meeting this season. Um, did not take long, but they had one. Um, following their loss to the Chicago Bulls, where they completely collapsed, um, they were up by 19 points in the second half, but they were outscored 39 to 11 in the fourth quarter. Um, and at that point, they had dropped to two and five on the season. They are four and six right now, so they are a little better. However, not looking at not looking great right now in Boston. Not the start that they're hoping for. 24th in the league in opposing points per game. So, so far, that physical mentality, that shift that they're trying to make on the defensive end, not working. And um, there's kind of been this looming thing for a while where it feels like um, the Celtics are just kind of getting worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And that this Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum pairing that Boston is banking their future on is not looking great. Um, And this, this player's meeting kind of sparked by public comments that Marcus Smart made, um, which he said, quote, there's only so much I can do without the ball in my hands. I just stand in the corner. When we're running plays for your best players, every team knows that, and they do a good job of shutting that down. We can't allow that. When they shut that down, we can't keep trying to go to those guys. We got to abort that and find them another way to get them the ball in spots that they need the ball. And like I said, for me, I can only do so much standing in the corner when I come up and give the ball away. Every team (laughs) knows we're going to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And every team is programmed at studies to stop Jason and Jalen. I think everybody's scouting report is to make those guys try and pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball. And that's something that they're going to learn. They're still learning and we're proud of the progress that they're making, but they're going to have to make another step and find ways to not only create for themselves, but for, but create for others on this team. Yeah. So that's a frustrated statement uh, or a statement out of frustration. I should say that is a brutally honest statement to make about two of your best players. Mm-hmm. let alone to make those statements public. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and reports suggest that this players meeting wasn't exactly productive. Um, and it sounds like there was some frustration entering and leaving that meeting. Um, you know, the Troy, of course, you know, Brad, Brad Stevens, um, no longer the coach. He is now the general manager or the president of basketball operations. Cause apparently in the Boston Celtics, when you fail, you get promoted. Um, but also, um, Ime Oduka, who at one point was the runner up for the Pistons coaching job. Um, when Dwayne Casey was hired, um, he is currently the, you know, new coach of the Celtics and things so far are looking a little rocky. So Troy, um, there's another piece to this Boston Celtics story. We'll get into in a minute. Um, but what, what's happening in Boston? Mm Mm-hmm. Because yeah, and I, I, I think this, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, this was an Eastern Conference Finals team a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. They made it there in the bubble. And I think that's where our story has to begin. And maybe not even that year, but the year before when they got bounced by Milwaukee in the semifinals. You know, this is kind of a, uh, a team that has tried to keep a lot of its core together, which is fine. That's great when you're trying to build off of that. But the problem is it hasn't really gone anywhere and they haven't really right. added any of those absolute pieces to that Boston team. So I think, you know, where they're failing at is they don't really have a mission mindset of what is the goal or purpose of this team moving forward. You know, it's kind of just we're banking on the the talent that they have mm-hmm. to take us to the promised land when it hasn't happened ever. So the definition of insanity is doing something over again that, you know, didn't work or no expecting things to change. Yeah. And expecting a different result. Um, When I don't think this Boston team is capable. No, I I believe they're one superstar away from being, you know, a contender, but they haven't done. Where does that superstar come from? Exactly. And I don't know, Sean, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if that superstar exists, to be honest with you. Um, so 
I think with this Boston years, it's a lot of, a lot of years of frustration, a lot of years of failed talent. You know, I think of I'm not talking about football here, but I'm a Packers fan and it's just wasted talent over years, right? There's nothing that's been done, you know, to push you over the hump. And I, I see that with this Boston team, a lot of similarities to that. And, you know, I think we play like Marcus Smart, who's had been around that team for so many years now and has the same results, if not worse results. I, I see very much um, frustration and a lack of a goal or a team oriented goal. Yeah. I mean, there's, it just feels like it's just, it just feels like there's just fundamental flaws at every level of the team. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, for like, for starters, um, when, when you have a guy like Danny Ainge, who, um, you know, towards the end of his career, I mean, obviously he drafted great, put, you know, accumulated, uh, accumulated a lot of talent, but let's be honest. Um, Almost every single major move that the Boston Celtics have done in the past five years has been a failure, right? I mm-hmm. mean, let's start with, I mean, the Al Horford acquisition was a success, but I would argue you underachieved with him on the roster. You didn't go where he quite thought he was going to take you. Um, I think the um, the Kyrie Irving trade, that was nothing short of a failure. With Disaster. That, um, with how he kind of, um, came in and just halted the development of Jason Tatum by a year. <laughs> um, he kind of just um, made the team dynamic worse and uh, arguably maybe even developed some bad habits in that locker room. Um, you have the Gordon Hayward acquisition, mm. <laughs> which that which that never panned out the way that you hoped, especially when you were banking on building around Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum. I mean, that was your future. Um, for years, they were positioning themselves to, to be the team to get Anthony Davis. Um, and then Anthony Davis never really wanted to come to Boston. Um, you're not really a free agent destination. You're putting a lot of money into Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So now your salary cap is tied into those two players. But the problem is, is that for whatever reason, um, they can't play together mm-hmm. and they haven't learned how to play together. Um, in what three years now, four, three. Yeah. Yeah, four, four, five four. years now. Yeah, this will four be years. Fourth. Yeah, so these guys are extremely talented. Like that's not a secret, but um, you know, at a certain point, like superstars have to learn how to play together because there's some truth to what to what Marcus Smart's saying in the sense that when you have two stars in your team, oftentimes the offense just becomes whose turn is it to score. You know what I'm saying? It's it's mm-hmm. like all right it's you know Jalen Brown it's 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 your turn you know we just ran plays for Jason it's your turn now or vice versa right which that's not how you run an offense especially at the end of the game you know what I'm saying so um they have I think some of it's a coaching issue I think some of it's a development issue I think some of it's on the players especially you know you know Jalen and Jason like you know you guys you guys are the future of the Boston Celtics, right? I mean, and you have talent that's on par to be as great as, you know, they, they have the ceiling of Larry birds. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like as far mm-hmm. as talent goes, yeah. Jason Tatum is, you know, he's what like 24 still 24, 25 years old. No, he's 23. Wow. You know, like my point exactly, right? Like the fact that we're looking at these guys, you know, J- you know, Jason Tatum's 23, Jalen Brown's 24, 25 years old. There just hasn't been this switch yet where we've seen them play winning basketball. And um, which is crazy because just a couple years ago, you were, right? And so... Um, you know, you could argue that some of their, some of the, like the players that they've lost over time, you know, like, um, you know, Marcus Morris, I really liked in a Boston Celtics uniform personally. Um, Avery Bradley before that. Good Avery Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. Avery Bradley, um, Jay Crowder at one point. Mm, I mean, Aaron um, Baines. Yeah, I guess. Um, (laughs) 
you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just, you know, they, they bring in Dennis Schroeder, who, you know, he, you know, he's been fine. Um, I just, I just got to be honest, man. I, part of me thinks that this Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum conversation, if this season they end up being a play-in team again, um, I think it's, you know, and, and, and with the reports that we're seeing, um, it looks like Boston's starting to question if that's the pairing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of that, let's, I, maybe this is the time to discuss it, Troy. Um, according to Shams, who, you know, if there's, if there's, if there's two guys we trust, it's Woj and it's Shams, right? Um, according to Shams, the Boston Celtics are reportedly interested in Ben Simmons. Um, now reports suggest that there would be no trade package that, that Philly would accept that would not include the likes of a Jason Tatum or not Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Um, so it looks like that would be the centerpiece of a trade package between those two teams. Um, so the, the concept would be a Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum front court, um, Troy. I don't think it's crazy. I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't think. Sure. I would argue. I would argue. It could be more of a natural pairing than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, just because of the fact that Jalen and Jason play such a similar offensive game of being ISO heavy scorers that can create the offense with their, like, you know, on their own, but can't exactly create offense for others. And you have Ben Simmons who can't really create offense for himself and almost only creates offense for others. It's not crazy. I kind of see where you're coming from, Sean. However, I think if the, if the locker room is already having some tension and I, I know you say Ben Simmons doesn't create a lot of offense for himself, but he does play a lot of ISO ball. Um, And I think, I mean, enough ISO ball. I mean, not necessarily though, just because, I mean, like, like, sure. Like if if you're on the fast break, I mean, like Mm -hmm. he, he definitely, um, and there will be times where like, you know, like I, I, I mean, the way that an offense would work around Ben Simmons, right. It would be very similar to, you know, very similar of an offensive scheme to what you're running with Giannis and, 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 in uh Milwaukee, right? Where where he drive like it's a drive and kick system, very similar to what you know Dwayne Casey runs, which is not ISO ISO ball, by the way. Um, I also think Sean, if Boston were to make a move like that, I think that would at least their mindset would be a win now situation. And I don't know if that creates a win now because we've seen Ben Simmons fail again when when the pressure says it's crunch time, right? I, so I, I I disagree though. I, I disagree in the sense that I don't know if it creates a win now. I mean, I think there would be more patience to try and put that together. There would be more patience with that lineup than there would be with this one. I would argue because of the fact that, that, that Jalen and Jason have been together for years. They've made it to the Eastern conference finals, Ben Simmons and Jay, J- Jason Tatum. I feel like people would at least give them the time to put things together. I think Ben Simmons, it would be the, it would be the story of how is he going to recover from the Philadelphia situation? What is he going to look like when we see him back on the court? What is he, you know, what would his expectations be? Now, the one thing about this move is the fact that Ben Simmons would be going from a sports market market in Philadelphia to a city that's almost as crazy as Philadelphia in <laughs> Boston. I mean, talk about a talk about a city that demands winning, right? And that's where I'm getting at though, Sean, is demanding winning. And honestly, now I mean, the patience is running short 100%, but I mean, listen, man, at a certain point, you got to do something different. But the, but the problem is, is that the only opening and the only way that you can yeah. do something different involves trading Jalen Brown or Jason no, and Tatum. I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with that. I just don't know if Ben Simmons is the right guy to bring in. Oh, I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying <laughs> okay, he is. Okay. I, we're no, on the same page. Then. No, no, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying it's not crazy. Yeah, that's all I'm saying is that okay. is that I, you know, because my gut reaction was like, was like, I, you know, I vomited in my mouth. I'm going to be honest with you. I read that. I was like, oh, 
as a J as a as a Jason Tatum fan, as a, as a Jalen Brown fan, because you know I want those guys to succeed together. But bloody hell, man, how many? It's not you working. Know, at a certain point, we can look at the sample size. We can look because I mean it's not a coincidence that these guys have gotten better over the past couple of years, yet the team is getting worse. Mm-hmm. And if that's happening, like there's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there is a real problem that's got to be like we, it, you know, as uncomfortable as it might be for people, like, like you gotta, you gotta talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you do somewhat have to blow up those two right now because patience is running out Yeah, and we know that they work together, but not to a point of, in my opinion, finals contention. No, right now, right now they're a playing team. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just saying, I'm just saying uh, the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum tandem, but yes, this, this Celtics team is a playing team, but of the past they've had Eastern conference finals teams. Yeah. And they're definitely not there right now. I mean, I I mean, if the playoffs were to start today, they would be a playing team. Now, granted Mm -hmm. if the playoffs were to start today, um, Milwaukee would be a 10th seed. Something tells me that's not going to happen. And Cavs would be a seventh. Cavs would be a sixth seed at the playoffs were to start today. Sixth. Okay. The Washington Wizards would be a fourth seed, man. What's going on? <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I I just look at this team and, um, you know, listen, I I want to say that I'm optimistic about their future, but I, I'd be lying. Mm-hmm. I I think, um, you know, I, this this is beginning to look like one of the next situations that we're going to be looking at and saying, do they got to blow it up? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think, I think we got to start looking closely at what's happening um, because, you know, there's no team I hear about having more players only meetings than the Boston Celtics. (laughs) That's That's all I'm saying. And if you're having that like less than 10 games into the season, there's a problem. Um, so I hope Boston gets it figured out. I don't think they're gonna, um, I think Ime Okuda has got a really tough job. And I think, um, if there's anything they got to figure out, I think it is how they're going to develop that offense. And I think, you know, I think Jason Tatum has got to take the next step. I think he's kind of been hovering at this same kind of player now for a couple of years. Um, and I think Jalen Brown is kind of becoming what he's going to be. Um, this team's going to only go where Jason Tatum takes him. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Oh, um, and I think he's only, uh, and, and I personally think he's going to be better served if he figures out how to win with Jalen Brown and they can entice a guy to come play with him. you know? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they're going to have to look at trading Marcus smart at some point. Maybe they got to make a change there because maybe he, Maybe he just isn't helping their culture. Maybe they just don't like playing with him. You know what I'm saying? So obviously I, I'm a, um, I'm personally a Marcus smart fan, but um, I mean, I can't lie. That's not a great thing to say from a teammate standpoint. So um, we shall see. Um, before we get into uh, Troy's segment though, I do also kind of want to talk about Cade Cunningham a real bit. Real yeah, absolutely. Um, last podcast, we told, we told people to calm the hell down. Um, and it kind of worked. Not kind. I mean, I mean, people calmed down, but also Cade Cunningham started to ball out a wee bit. More than a wee bit. Uh, the Brooklyn game. He hooped. Mm-hmm. He sure did. He and those are some of the best talent he's going to see all year. He with, played with his, Brooklyn. He played his best in his hardest game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Eighteen points. Am I right with that? Uh, yeah. And he went. Um, he, I mean, not only eighteen points, but also he he went six to sixteen from the field. He shot. Um, yeah. So I have the full stat line right here. So he went seventeen points. Okay. Um, he shot six to seventeen from the field, but he shot three to seven from the three. Um, so vastly improved three point shooting. Um, he, he, you know, he really was doing well from passing as well. He got four rebounds. Um, 
he went right at he went right at Kevin Durant. He went right at James Harden. Um, listen, man, for a guy that was only his fourth game in the league, mm-hmm. pretty freaking good, man. And not just that game, Sean, but the Sixers game, he somewhat balled out too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. His his first two games, um, I saw a meme where it was like Cade Cunningham his first two games, and it was uh, the Cade Cunningham like before two K fixed how he looked, like where he had that super crappy face scan, mm-hmm. and then Cade Cunningham last two games, and it was all fixed. He was like, yeah, and I was like, yep, spot on. He's been he's been absolutely hooping. So. Uh, you know, as of recording tomorrow, or as of, as of the time this episode comes out tomorrow night, we got, we got Jalen green versus Kate Cunningham. Big That's game. coming up. What, uh, what are you expecting, Troy? Yeah, I'm expecting a good, hard fought game on both sides. I think, uh, we'll see, we'll see Cade go off, I think to a degree, you know, I think, uh, same effort level. I don't know what stat wise, same effort level though, as the Brooklyn game. And I see Jalen green, definitely having a chip on his shoulder, whatever that means of him not going number one and then showing why, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, so I see a lot of shooting. Well, we'll see a lot about the maturity of Jalen green. I think tomorrow night, Sean, cause I think we'll see um, Jalen green could shoot the ball every time he touches it. Let's be honest or at least trying to make plays or playmaking uh, or be a playmaker in situations where there's no opportunity to, um, uh-huh. I, I see that tomorrow night. Um, so it's going to feel very, it's going to feel very similar to that summer league game. I think. Yeah. I, I was going to say that was my next point is it's going to be a summer league ish game. So that's what I expect. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think from, I think from Jalen's perspective, I definitely see that. I think, I think, I think Kate or just, I think Kate's just going to keep doing his thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's not worried um, about the hype. No, he's not. And I mean, he's publicly said it. he's he's just worried about getting wins. I mean, listen, the Pistons and Rockets, they both only have one win at this point. They are mm-hmm. they're showing why they had to get the number one and number number two overall pick, right? Correct. Absolutely. Um, um and uh both have played pretty well in spurts, both have shot pretty terribly in spurts. So um, I expect a fun game and uh I don't expect anything of value to come from it. It's going to be a good time. Um, but with that, Troy, it's time to head uh, from Mount Rushmore. We're not doing a Mount Rushmore today, but we're just from Ann Arbor there. from Ann Arbor. Whoa. Yeah. I like that from Ann Arbor. What are we, what are we talking about today, Troy? We are going to be talking today about the friendship legacy and fallout turmoil of two basketball greats, both Michigan Wolverines, both members of the fab five, both NBA players. Did Jalen Rose ever make an all-star game? Maybe um, not. I don't know don't. if he was an all- Let, let okay. me look it up. Let me look it up. But I don't okay. think he was, but I'll look it yeah. up. Two very well-known faces of the NBA, Jalen Rose and Chris Webber. Yeah, two, two well-known faces of the game of basketball for sure. Yeah. So I'll start talking a little bit what I know about their upbringing a little bit with before college, college, and you can chime in literally whenever you want, Sean. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So what I know about that situation is I believe Jalen Rose and Chris Weber met in seventh grade. They were on the same AAU basketball team mm-hmm. and, you know, definitely more inner city level Detroit area. Um, Kids definitely, you know, on the poverty line, not, not necessarily come came from money, either one of those. So, you know, work hard, work, having a hard work ethic was definitely something uh, engraved in them. And they had a great AAU team together. And I think Chris Weber, when he was in eighth grade was named uh, number one middle school player in the country. I think in that, uh, that early nineties, late eighties era right there. Uh, and going to Detroit Country Day, I believe, is where Chris Weber went to high school, and they were state champions, I believe, his freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool to have that as a 14-year-old of being a state champion. And I believe Jalen Rose had a, a, a good career in more, more of the inner city style because Detroit Country Day would definitely be a little more uh, college preppy type of, of atmosphere versus Jalen Rose high school experience, definitely in the inner city, but they still had that camaraderie through uh, AAU basketball. 
and I believe Chris Weber declared for Michigan uh, his senior year to play for the Wolverines, and that is what hit it for Jalen Rose. He also declared for the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to play with his old AAU uh, teammate, and they were greeted by three other freshmen, Jawan Howard, uh, Jimmy King, and Ray Jackson, and that made up the Fab Five. Um, and what there was some turmoil that we'll, we'll get to soon that kind of sparked a lot of it. But during this time, there was a well-known Detroit guy by the name of Ed Martin. And Ed Martin was known for giving young players gifts, money, literally whatever they asked for. He was a multimillionaire. Mm -hmm. And his catchphrase would be, you know, hey, I'm giving you these new shoes. Hey, I'm giving you a hundred bucks hey, just remember me when you're back in the NBA, right? Hey, I'm giving you all this free stuff now. When you're in the NBA, that's when you can pay me back, okay? Yeah, and you have you these know, two for, kids who, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know, who, who come from nothing and you have this mm -hmm. guy that's willing to, to yep. take care of you and support you and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, buy you things and treat you well. And, yeah. you know, and they were, you know, they were pretty close to him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Jalen Rose, uh, was definitely involved with Ed Martin, but not to the degree Chris Weber was. Chris Weber and Ed Martin were a lot closer, mainly because probably Chris Weber had the biggest ceiling, right? I mean, Chris Weber was the sky's the limit for him being, you know, one of the top high school players. So when Ed Martin was given Chris Weber stuff, he knew that in return, when Chris Weber would make the NBA, Ed Martin would be getting a good old paycheck from his buddy, Chris Weber. So they play at University of Michigan. Um, there, they didn't have the best regular season their freshman year, but they did crack the starting lineup with at, towards the end of the year of all five freshmen. And that was the first time done, I believe, in NCAA history of five freshmen being started. And they made it, they were not an extremely high seed, I want to say six, seven, or eight around there, uh, in the NCAA tournament. And they made it all the way to the elite eight their freshman year is that right sean uh-huh mm -hmm. yeah elite eight uh where they lost but that was kind of more of the cutting coming out party for the fab five uh they were definitely heavily ranked their sophomore years the fab five going into that season and they made they were by far favorites to win and there was an incident in the ncaa championship game uh, I believe that was Duke versus Michigan. Uh, Chris Weber got the ball. They were down by one. He traveled and they did not call the travel. He, he dribbled the ball to the Michigan corner and called a timeout. And when they Michigan, were out of timeouts, yep. Michigan did not have a timeout. Duke went on to shoot two free throws and have the ball. And there was nothing that Michigan could do at that point. And Duke led by Grant Hill, that was Grant Hill's uh, team won the, I believe, was that 1991 NBA, uh, NCAA champ, uh, championship. And Chris Weber declared for the draft that year. He was selected number one by the Golden State Warriors. And he was traded on draft night, which the last time we saw that, well, it wasn't even a draft night, but was uh, Andrew Wiggins getting drafted by Cleveland and then getting traded to Minnesota, a similar scenario. But he was drafted by... Golden State number one, then immediately got traded to Orlando, I believe. Maybe. Um, no, 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 no. So um Chris Weber played um he played out his rookie year in uh in Golden State. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, and then almost immediately, um, you know, pretty quickly in his tenure in Golden State, um, he got traded to um, he got, he went to the Washington bullets okay, for a couple what, of years. Was, yeah. Um, and then he went to Sacra he went to Sacramento in, mm -hmm. uh, where his main, mainly his career was at his, his yep. definitely peak was in Sacramento. Yeah. 100%. That was definitely his, yeah. his main stay in his home. But yeah, he, uh, uh, Chris Weber did not get along very well, um, with the organization over in golden state. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, but ultimately um, kind of what did it in for those guys was, you know, you know, during Chris, uh, Chris Weber, when he went to the NBA um, and kind of left those guys behind, um, you know, there was kind of was the investigation and mm -hmm. um, the, uh, you know, kind of the, the fab five, which, you know, ultimately left the fab five team 
um, forgotten and, and uh, kind of put to shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the Michigan Wolverines kind of had to move on without him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think there yeah. was a lot of finger pointing and there was a lot of blame that went a lot of different directions. And I think, um, you know, Jalen Rose um, was, was critical of Chris Weber and felt hurt by some mm-hmm. of the stuff that had happened. I think Chris Weber um, felt ostracized and kind of felt um, pushed away by the Michigan Wolverines and by his brothers yeah. of the Fab Five. And I think um, they're kind of in this weird spot now where, you know, Juwan Howard is back at U of M. He's the, he's mm-hmm. the head coach and he's, quite frankly, he's made that program prominent again. Um, they were already a great program, but he took it to a different level, getting five-star recruits coming back to Michigan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he definitely did. Um, yeah. So now it just is in this really unfortunate situation where, um, you know, Jalen, you know, Jalen Rose and Chris Weber were best friends. And, you know, now um, that that's a friendship that might never fully recover. Right. And I think, um, you know, going back to the Ed Martin stuff, uh, I believe uh, Chris Weber may, may have lied under oath uh, and saying a lot of these stuff never happened. And I think that hurt Jalen a lot because Jalen was around him as a teenager and knew mm-hmm. definitely all this stuff happened. And uh, so I don't think Jalen Rose took that very well, but I believe um, the university, cause this is how a lot of the stuff too, it didn't just happen when they were teenagers. Well, I guess when you're 18, 19, you're still a teenager, but when you're enrolled in university, he was still doing a lot of the stuff with Ed Martin and right. that's where the NCAA came involved. Yep. And the, if you walk into the Chrysler arena in Ann Arbor where the Michigan Wolverines play, you will not see a banner from the fab five, Chris right. Weber's team, Jalen Rose's team, one of the most recognizable NCAA double teams of all time who won banners. You will not see a banner because the NCAA took those banners away because of the yeah, criminal stripped, investigation from yeah, Chris Weber stripped with them Ed Martin. Yeah. Strip them of their final four appearances, strip yep. them of those accolades. And yeah. Um, you know, that, and that's where the fab fives legacy, unfortunately was tarnished. Right. And so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think you have both, I think Jalen Rose, you know, and the fab five guys, they have a right to be upset because it's yeah. like, you know, they, um, you know, a lot of what they worked for and a lot of what they mm-hmm. played for kind of was taken away, you know, and, and, and it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's kind of a situation that, you know, uh, is very reminiscent to like kind of the mm-hmm. beef of, of Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan of, you know, these yeah. guys who, um, accomplished great things together. Um, but unfortunately, you know, whether it's egos, whether it's, um, you know, allegations and things that happen, you know, unfortunately, you know, things can get in the way, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so- Absolutely. And another thing, too, I thought was interesting, I heard was, remember in 2000, well, you remember, you're a Michigan fan, in 2013, when the Wolverines went to the final four, or went to the NCAA championship and lost to Louisville. Mm-hmm. So I believe the Fab Four, minus Chris Webber, all sat together at the game. Like, they yep. were sitting together and cheering them on. Well, Chris Webber was also at the game, but he was in a box. Yep, he was uh, in a suite. In, yep. in a suite, you know, getting luxury, food service, whatever, watching the game, you know. Mm-hmm uh when when the when the crew was together and i guess they had invited chris to sit with them but he's like he no i'll stay yep. in my suite right right yeah so i think that rubbed them the wrong way too of you know our our team hasn't been in the national championship since we were playing and now they finally are and you don't even want to have a reunion with any of us like i think that caused some some beef too with them so i think uh man that criminal stuff with ed martin i think the beef with leaving you know, that team behind to go to the NBA, I think rubbed a lot of those guys the wrong way, especially, you know, their upbringing in the inner city. Um, you know, it's just, an, it's, it's a sad tale, mm-hmm. but I do know a few months ago when Chris Weber was inducted into the hall of fame, uh, I, I think uh, Jill and Rose's show, uh, they zoomed in with him on zoom. And I think they had a little, a little conversation, told each other they loved each other. But that was the first time I think they've talked in a while. So I don't yeah. know if it, the, the, the friendship has completely rekindled, but at least there's signs of hope uh, for what I've seen. So, yeah. So there's um, one of my favorite um, YouTube channels and it's part mm-hmm. of uh, it's, it's also a blog or a website, part of SB nation, the channel's called secret base. And one of the things that they do 
um, is they do a lot of um, retrospective and storytelling pieces in sports. Yeah. And um, one of their best series is um, is uh, beef history, where they look at the history of a beef between two people in sports. And one of their best episodes is their Chris Webber, Jalen Rose story. And so they mm-hmm. actually do a really good job of doing a deep dive um, into um, into that. So I would look that up. So I'll, I'll even link it, um, down below as well. Yeah. Um, please do that, Sean. Yeah. Um, I'll even send it to you after this. I would recommend watching it. It does a really good job of explaining the history of the beef, the history of the relationship and giving the full story of the context. It's an absolutely great watch. Um, you know, and I, and I think, um, I think it speaks on to, you know, I think, it's kind of this, it's a sad story of things you see in sports, but also things that you see in the NBA or in basketball is where, um, you know, things can get in the way and things can, you know, break, break relationships. I mean, I think we even saw um, Kevin Durant and what happened with the Golden State Warriors where, you know, the Warriors kind of pushed him away um, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind Definitely. of fell apart quickly. So, you know, there, there's just so many situations like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, so, and people, everyone's different. Personality clashes, I think, are the biggest yeah, thing too. We see a lot. So. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's like a situation that you can look back upon and talk about. Um, and you know, there, it's 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 sad, but I think you know, hopefully, um, Jawan Howard he did invite Chris Weber to come back to Michigan at any time, and I hope he takes that. And I hope right. I hope the Fab Five can be celebrated because I think the Fab Five um, they changed the culture of hoops forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that would be the first reunion in a while because Chris Weber actually was banned from campus for 10 years. Yep, I don't know if exactly. you knew that. But, yes, he was. Yep. That was part yeah. of the deal of, of taking away those accolades as, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, fab, the mention of the fab five, like, you know, like it, it, everybody was, man, it was, it was sad. Um, but you know, uh, that is absolutely a situation that we'll definitely keep looking at. And I think, uh, I think it's definitely something that's always interesting to talk about. Um, but there's always things interesting to talk about on this channel because this is from half court where each and every week, Troy and I, Troy and I sit down and talk all things basketball. Be sure again, if you like that to subscribe, be sure to like, and be sure to share with your friends. Be sure to leave a positive review and comment down below and be sure to join the conversation with that. I've been Sean Murphy. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean half court and you can follow Troy on Twitter at Troy Sergey 44. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for watching. And we will catch you next time from Half Court. Be sure to subscribe.